straight, went to the centre of the track, leads from Medina D, then game seller girl Falconica, from within game to the inside, Invincible Star running on fairly, Lloyd starts to get busy on Hootson, and I reckon there's a bit of a kick there, there's a real kick, Hootson at the 100 metres, leads, here's Chauffeur screaming home, Hootson in front, she Yes, uh, Hootson, of course, great for Queensland. Toby and Trent Edmonds and Jeff Lloyd, outside barriers we know, crossed and gave nothing a look in there. 105,000 by a side that's pretty handy, Mike, called I Am Invincible. Yeah, what a remarkable story it's been of just having a look at I Am Invincible's race record. 13 starts, 5 wins um, by Invincible Spirit, and he's 19 mm. years of age. Placed in a Goodwood, he won a Monash Stakes, yep. and yep. originally he went for six. $62,500 at the English Star. And Toby, is it Harry Mitchell joins us from Yarraman. Good morning to you, Harry. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. Every time, I, well, first time I've met you in person, but gee, I just see Bill Mitchell. <laughs> oh, that's a worry. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. Why? <laughs> We're only talking about General Nadim earlier. Gee, he had some yeah. wonderful horses. Dynasty Dancer, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Yeah, no, he's a great trainer, Bill, and had a lot of good horses. And uh, Yeah, no. What's he up to these days, Bill? Yeah, Bill's got his own bloodstock business with his son, James, and they're doing well, and uh, they do a bit of everything, and... and uh, for different clients, and uh, yeah, no, he's very happy. Toby Edmonds was tol- telling me about I Am Invincible. He said it's like trying to, like a heavyweight boxer that wears a size six shoe. That's the way he sort of said, you know, he was very heavy on top, but he only had little hooves, and it plagued him a bit during his race career. Yeah, I think that's probably right. He's a gorgeous-looking horse. You know, his feet actually are pretty good now, but I think that was his issue racing. Plus, he was racing in, in the era when we had the EI, the equine influenza, so there was a big stop in racing, which is difficult when you've got a big big stallion-type horse, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, that was the thing that probably stopped him being an even better horse, but obviously when he was at his best, he was very, very good. So, um, but he did have some bad performances in the middle, which is... May, that may have contributed to that. Yeah, Toby and then Peter Morgan. And interestingly, we saw Barassi uh, thrash rivals here last week at its second start. And Toby was saying almost identical, very similar to I'm Invincible, that horse Barassi. Who I think, do you have a share in that horse? Yes, I do. Yeah, we do. We sold him uh, as a yearling for 300 to, to Toby. And, uh, oh, look, he's had a lot of issues. Toby's been very unlucky. He's, you know, he's had a quarter track and then he's re-injured that. And then he had a little chip. Lots gone wrong, so it's been a long wait. But he looks like a very exciting horse. Could have broken the track record here last week. Yeah, well, I'm not really a form man, but they said he went 12 lengths. You know, understand it. That's mm. pretty good. He looked like, a, looked like an open company horse charging down the straight there, let alone a horse having only second start. Well, who knows? I mean, he might be like his father. He might come back next prep and do some really good things. He, you know, he's actually he's still a stallion, so you actually never know. Mm. Um, it wasn't ideal starting racing as a five-year-old, but uh, who knows? Yeah. Michael Freeman's with us as well. Good morning to you, Mike. Morning. You would have had a lot of lot to do with those horses by that sire over the years. I am invincible. Yeah, I, well, probably one of my best horses in Singapore when I was training up there was was a son of I am invincible that we bought here, and um, you know he's been a terrific stallion, continues to be. It's great for. Harry and Arthur, they've been in, been in it a long time. We've known each other a long time, and it's great to see him get such a life-changing horse like that. Yeah, we're talking Michael called in Singapore for many years, and mm. he called many of your horses winning, actually. Super easy, of course. He was a star up there. What was his breeding? 
He was um, he was by Darcy Brahma, um, but he was out of a terrific family of par four, so you know, Tiger Tees and a lot of those good yeah, horses that have raced out of Terra Vista. Yeah. Freakish um, mare, wasn't she? Yeah. She was, I suppose, a bit of a blue hen, but he was a, a terrific looking horse, probably a bit more in the Danehill mould than Darcy Brahma, um, but he was a great horse for me up there. He won, I think, 12 straight from memory. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was a, a good sprinter. You, you took him to Hong Kong once or twice? He went to Hong Kong once and yep. sort of you know, finished around midfield against the good Japanese horse, Lord Kanaloa. Gee, fancy year. bumping into him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good experience. Um, you know, it was um, it was worth the trip. And we eventually sold him back to a stud in New Zealand. And he's had a you know, a relatively good career over there. And he's got a, certainly got a soft spot in my heart. Yeah, he's not standing for a huge amount of money in New Zealand either, is he? No. He, um, he went a bit feral when he... When he became a stallion, he was the quietest colt I've ever trained. But once he got the the idea of being a stallion, he, uh, he apparently became very difficult to handle. So they've done a good job to breed as much as they have with That's him. Great placement by you to win all those races in a row in Singapore. Because we just had Mark Unum here, Mike, talking about the rating system in Hong Kong. So were they set weights? To, how, how did that work? That sequence? Uh, yeah, I mean, ratings based, similar to Hong Kong, but there was. Probably from memory, I've forgotten a lot of it now, but, you know, there were good opportunities for horses to go up there and win their maiden, and then if they were any good, they could go sort of two and three on the trot pretty easily with the way the, the set weight races worked. And then once you then got into the ratings-based races, it, it became a lot tougher unless you were a good enough horse to go pretty much open company, which, which he did. And I think you were one of the, the first trainers to, to realise how good that Brazilian jockey was when he came I think it was 2009 he yeah. came to Singapore Joe Maria and he wrote a lot of winners for you didn't he yeah we had a great association I think from memory he I gave him his first ride in Singapore and I can remember giving him his instructions that night and he didn't speak much English he, so no. I don't think he understood much of what I said <laughs> but he still went out and won on it so yeah. great jockey and how long did it take Joe to get like make a huge impact and start climbing oh, the ladder quickly wasn't yeah. it yeah it was yeah. pretty Pretty quickly, and then you know, he, once he got the reputation that he had, he, it wasn't uncommon for him to ride four and five. I think sometimes if he went home with a double, he'd be disappointed that he'd had an average day. Mike, obviously, we're saddened to hear the news about Singapore and you know its decline, and they're closing it down. Uh, we hope that there's some sort of miracle, and they they continue to race. Uh, does that shock you in in some regard that, that that's happening over there in Singapore? A lot of those people are going to have to relocate and move on, and things like that. Yeah, their lives upside down. Oh, it's it's immensely disappointing, um, you know, for everybody up there. The James Peters, who trains there, was my foreman for four or five years, and he's a young English guy who's, you know, a very talented guy, but he's said to me a few times now he's got no idea what he's going to go and do now. Um, you know, he's not going to go back and train in the UK, and it would be probably pretty difficult for him to come out and set up shop somewhere like here. So he's a bit in limbo, like I guess quite a few of them would be up there. It's not... I, I wouldn't say it was a total shock to me that it's gone that way. Um, you know, I think it's a bit sad that it just appeared, even when I was there up until 2016, it wasn't an industry that the government ever really sort of got behind in any big way. And No, it was um, just hidden, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah. It was there, and it was good for tax revenue going back to the mm. government, but they really didn't want to know much about it. I mean, you couldn't promote Racing Stephen there at all, except for the international meeting in May. Mm. They'd have bunting up signs, but you couldn't promote in any of the magazines or the papers that racing's on this weekend. Mm. And it was just an amazing facility. Is that why key members of government didn't like it all? Uh, well, it's just... 
Yeah, um, it's like a lot of things. They sort of frown on a lot of things, mm. but um, I mean, the, the complex was just remarkable, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I think Cranji, you know, in my opinion, was is probably even better than Sha Tin in Hong Kong in terms of facilities. Yeah, it was it was a you know, fantastic place to train, um, and I think they had a great opportunity because, as opposed to in Hong Kong, we need to have a permit to race and be a member of the Hong Kong Jockey Club, although I think that's changing a bit now. But Singapore, anyone could race a horse there. And, you know, when I was there, probably 40 or 50% of my stable was Australian-based owners racing horses up there. So it's a bit sad because I think it, you know, had it been given the support that it that it should have, it could have, you know, it could have rivaled any of those mm. other jurisdictions. Yeah, well, there's an Aussie right at the top of the table, Tim Fitzsimons, mm. and you've got Dan Maher, who I think may end up coming back to Queensland with Chris, his brother, but Donna Logan, for example. I mean, she was in limbo last time I spoke about what her future is. She sold up a yeah. property in New Zealand at Ruakaka and so on. Mm. No, yeah. there's, there's a lot of them in the same boat that would be still to this point probably trying to work out what they're going to do. Mm, you must be excited because I, I want to talk to you obviously about your Magic Minions youngster at a moment that's got a lot of ability for James Harron but just back to I Am Invincible, can you tell us if you don't mind Harry the story how your stud Yarraman secured this particular horse by of course um, a, a very fast horse and a talented horse in Invincible Spirit? Yeah well it was um, it was a bit of a situation where we'd had a, a, a stallion that was no good and, and in, in went in fertile and we needed a new horse uh, and one of our friends said you should look at that horse and I always remember his first race start and he was just so impressive and I remember thinking wow this is something else and he was actually early favourite for the Golden Slipper so if actually looking at his record he had a lot of things you could find that were positive like he had unbelievable speed uh, which is very important in Australian racing and I think then he, he ran third behind forensics, I think. It was a bit unlucky. Well, then she went on and won the slipper. So we thought, well, that's pretty good. Like, he's a serious horse. Sort of had a bit of a blackout as a three-year-old. As I said, equine influenza, and he had a few issues. I think the Hawks team had him then, and then I think he went to Peter Morgan because of the water walker. Uh, Peter That's had right. one of the first water walkers in Victoria, and Ray Gall, who owned and raced the horse, and he's our partner today, uh, he, he knew Peter and sent the horse to Peter, and it was really Peter who got the horse right again. And he won a couple of races very impressively in Melbourne, and then obviously the former round takeover target. See, the good with that year was wait for age too, so it wasn't like he was getting massive weight relief. Like, So he got beaten a half neck, I think, and Peter swears he was half a run short. He said, I, I think he probably, if I could have got one more run in him, he might have beaten him. So, look, we liked all that. We realised there was some blips in the middle, but the reason was we flew to look at the horse. Uh, they were quite keen for us to have a look at him. They wanted the horse in the hunter, and most people had rejected him. And, and we just couldn't believe it when he came out of his box. He's the best-looking horse I'd ever seen. He's 16-3. He's got a beautiful head. He's perfect. I mean, I've never seen and I'd never seen a nice horse. And, and look... We had no idea he'd end up as what Did he is. Did you say he looked terrible, though? <laughs> well, no. Well, there's only, there's only Peter there. Didn't I? I, didn't, I, didn't think, I, don't think we, I don't think we said much. <laughs> I think we got back in the car and I, uh, I said to others, we'll be buying this horse. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, his record suggested he wasn't going to be an easy sell, but I said to Arthur, as soon as people see him, yeah. they'll, they'll take a pun on him. And we had a lot of smaller breeders who'd supported us over the years. So, anyway, long story short, we bought 50% of the horse, and um, as soon as he got in the hunter, 
lots of small breeders. The word went round really quickly how nice he was. Did so you I have think, your own mares going to him then? Oh, yeah. And, and look, we, we know to get them going. You've got to send decent mares. I mean, we bought mares for him like Sacred Hill, who'd won four at Flemington. And, you know, he did cover some handy mares. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was it. But it was really his physical attributes that appealed to us. Invincible Spirit at the time had stood here done very well covering terrible mares at about 5,000, never came back but he ended up a very good sire but then he was only just starting so no one was really on Invincible Spirit at that age, stage and he had a nice pedigree, he was out of a canny lad mare so he's the same cross as like Reduce Choice but it was his physical presence that got us When, when was the turning point do you think? After a couple of seasons, like you put the good well, mares to him, and well, look, he had some good and some bad. I had friends who sent dreadful mares to him and yep. produced group winners. Uh, he can upgrade mares mm -hmm. like no horse I'll ever have. Um, the turning point was, look, his foals came out fantastic. Uh, they were all bay, so he's bay dominant, and they were extremely attractive from day one. I remember. Actually, Mill Park, Chris Watson came to look at the stallions because they used to all come around and look at the new stands. And he, he rang me and said, can I come and look at his foals? You know, he's a good, smart guy. So he came out and I showed him a paddock of about five foals. He said, have you handpicked these and put them all in one paddock? <laughs> and I said, no, that's the only five I've got. And, yeah. he, and he started breeding to him. Mm. Look, his type was early. And then when they ran his first runner... Uh, was a mare called Tetsuku, who I sold a yearling out of yesterday, and she got beaten a short half head in the gym crack uh, behind Alpha Miss. She was odds on, so I remember standing at Ramwick thinking this would be too good to be true. The first runner wins the gym crack, and she got beaten ahead. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think a week later, Basilic won the feeling ready, and then there was it's one in way. Yeah. and then one in Melbourne, and one of Mark Cabra's name escapes me now. He beat an odds on shot at Flemington, so well, we knew he was going nicely, but. I, I mean, I didn't really. Yeah, you had a superstar on your hands. What was his fee initially when you the first well, season? Well, he was ten thousand. Ten thousand dollars. He's well, now three hundred and two. Is he? Yeah, with GST, he is. Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, we sold thirteen breeding rights to some smaller breeders, and uh, all they had to do really was send them here for three years at ten grand, and we gave them a nom for life. So those people have done pretty well. Yeah. So from ten, take me through the progression then. Oh. Um, well, we never believe in putting them up before they run or, or halfway through a year. So he was Ted for the first three years. And I think when he started, then we went to 25 uh, and then 50. I can't remember now. And I think then 100 and he stayed at 100 and then he went to two. And now he's, well, he's 19 now. We're reducing his book a little bit. But the other thing is he's, he's a brilliant horse in the covering barn. His fertility is very good. He's healthy. He, he looks like he's 12. So maybe he can last. His father's still covering mares at 26. Uh, wow. You know. What's, the, what's the, um, the, the process? You know, you obviously get a lot of mare applications. Um, uh, do you have to sort of decline some of them? Oh, you do have yeah. to. You'd look, you've just got to balance it. You get people who've been very good to you over a long period of time. Yeah. Obviously, his, his clientele has changed. Mm. And most of the smaller breeders can't afford him now you know they can't take the risk so it's yeah. mainly the big players who breed to him and, and you know we have we reduce his book we try and keep the mares younger probably yeah. and, and um yeah we have to turn a fair, a fair few away although his fee now is you know that yeah is that at a record fee it is for him. I don't think it's a record in Australia. I'm no. sure Redoots and, uh, and Costa might have been. And Costa, and I think maybe mm -hmm. even, I don't know, Dane Hill maybe 
wasn't quite because a few years ago, but certainly they were more expensive. Mm. But he throws such great types, so he's the safest bet for people with a very good mare to get a great type. That's why they average so well, because he doesn't throw many bad ones. Mm. He's very, very consistent. And what's uh, been the best nick, Harry? Well, Encosta's been good. Um, I think uh, uh, um, it looks like Shamadale's starting to, to, to do something and Street Cry. But it's been more... We've everyone's looked at it so many times, but I, th I think it's just how they look. It's the ones that have that, got that physical presence, you know. Like you talked about Barassi, she'd had a couple of fouls. Another one by him who was not that great, looked like its mother. Then Barassi came out and looked just like him. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a real proven Nick. Encosta's been very good, I say, in Street Cry. Now with Imperatriz. That looks like that cross is working pretty well. Obviously, she's been a, a you know a great flag bearer for him this year. Mm. But he hasn't had a bad year for a long time. It took us a while to become champion sire, but probably a lot of that was because of the Everest. Um, and look, Stitzel's a great sire. We actually bred Stitzel, so I wish he wasn't sold. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it's been a great ride for us. We've been very, very lucky. So how many mares originally when he was 10 and how many now? Oh, okay. I think his first year he covered 130, and I think this year he covered 140. He's done bigger books in the middle of his career. Mm -hmm. We're scaling him down a little bit now, but, I mean, he could still cover 180 if you wanted him to. I mean, he's amazing, but we're just trying to look after him. We never uh, we never were tempted to shuttle him. We had numerous, numerous offers to shuttle him. We just didn't want to take the risk. We knew that this was the once-in-a-lifetime for us, and we just didn't want to, you know... Do you give yeah. him a cuddle every morning when you get out of bed? I reckon I would. Um. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, yeah, he's... A, without even being a great sire, sounds ridiculous, but he's just such a lovely animal. Is he? Like, he's a, just the most lovely natured horse. He's just a dream. Offspring like that as well? Yeah, pretty most good. Of them? You see in their races, though, I don't think you have to gallop them much because if you teach them to go, they can go. Yeah. You do get some that over-race a bit, so... You know, I think the trainers are... I don't think they're that... That's, I mean, they're, they're easy to train, yes, but I don't think they need revving up. Yeah. They've got so much natural speed. Yeah. Uh, it's a matter of harnessing that. Yeah, Toby was telling me yesterday, Barassi, for example, he said he doesn't need gelding. He said his temperament's fine. Um, oh, yeah, they're good. Yeah. Michael, let's talk about Highness um, running in the millions. $900,000 yearling, James Harron, the buyer, mm. with, the, um, with Highness. Tell me about your involvement with James Harron. Have you had many for him before Highness came along, Mike? Um, yeah, just a small number. Um, I think last season was probably my first season training a few colts for him. Um, this colt, we, Michael Wallace and I, who were buying from our own sort of um, group, really liked him and James outbid us on him. So uh, I sort of texted him and said, you know, just to let you know, we love that colt. So he sort of immediately said, well, you can train him. Um, but, yeah, he's been... He's been a, a, a really good little horse so far. Um, he ran. He was probably it was probably my fault. He was maybe a touch underdone in the Breeders' Plate in the spring, um, and then he had a bit of a let up. Came back and was just a different shape and, and physique altogether, and sort of gone, gone from being a plump little boy to a man, sort of in the space of two or three months. Um, and his win at Wyong, I thought, was was good the other day, where he 
he beat the horses, the current second yeah, favourite. Spywire. What were you thinking in that race? Because Spywire, we know what happened with, with the situation with the rider there, which has been well talked about. But mm. what were you thinking coming to the turn? Because your guy was sort of, a lot of horses were off the bit chasing, weren't they? Chasing after Spywire. Yeah, he's a very, very laid back horse. Um, Tommy Berry actually said to me after the race that with the pre-race earmuffs, which he wears behind the barriers, he said he was almost falling asleep. So... He's a very laid-back character, and even his racing style's a bit that way, where he just sort of lobs along until Tommy's got busy on him, and then he, he does sort of light up. And, and Is that why a, you've put the winkers on? Yeah, we just I experimented with winkers and, and blinkers at home. Um, I trialled him in winkers the other day at Rose Hill, and I was really pleased with how he... He wasn't overdoing it, but it was maybe just a, just a tweak more than anything. Um, but he's still one of those laid-back characters that he'll only do as much as he's basically asked to do. But um, I think he's a pretty high-class colt, and, you know, he's drawn a, a nice enough gate there on Saturday. So, you know, with a bit of luck, he can make his presence felt. And also there were margins all through the field there. Like, he got over the top of Spywire, but there were gaps all through the field that day at Wyong, wasn't there? Yeah, it was only a small field from memory. Um, I think those two sort of cleared out from the rest yeah. of them and, and ran good time and... Um, you know, I think since that, that run at Wyong, he's really gone on with it. So, obviously, got a lot of respect for the for the two favourites above and the, the filly that won here the other day. Um, but I think he can match it with him. That trial was like a race subsequently too, Mike, the way, you know, it was a really solid hit out because that horse that had to qualify for this race here, Barracuda, that was flat strapped. So they really did, like, race speed in that trial. Yeah, well, my bloke's a, he's a gross-doing sort of horse and going more or less four weeks between runs... Um, I said to Tommy that I wanted him to have a good hit out, you know, just to keep him up to the mark. And um, so he made sure he sort of was on the job right through the line. And, yeah, I was very happy with it. And what did you make of his final gallop? I, I bumped into you here last Friday. You said you were going to fly back to mm. Sydney to make sure that he galloped OK. Was that Tuesday morning? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had the course proper at Randwick. And I paired him up with an older horse that's quite... A, useful horse in the stable i always like to not insurrection a, nah he's having a bit of a freshen up um yeah just with with one of the older horse i always like to work good two-year-olds with with older horses um i think you get a much truer guide on on where they're at and uh i worked him with a with a pretty decent older horse there tuesday and it was good work tommy was really happy with it and he pulled up pretty clean afterwards and he travelled up here overnight last night and got he's here this arrived. morning early. Yep. Yeah, I went and had a look at him and he looks great. Whatever way you look at it, from the gate and his racing style, he seems to be foolproof out of the barriers and so on. He's going to get going to get a perfect running trend, seemingly. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. I think. Um, so you can't fault anything. No, no, it's all up to Tommy now. <laughs> yeah, and he's easy to deal with just in a general day-to-day base, good eater and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 he's uh, and he's a good quiet cult too. Um, you know, it's important. To, you know, with these two-year-old colts to, to sort of have one that can, you know, deal with the, the pressure of race day and, you know, all the carry-on that goes on on those days. And, you know, so far he's been, you know, really good. If he runs well, are then you're looking at, you know, freshen up, which often they do, for leading into the golden slipper? Yeah, I mean, you know, if he was to put his hand up and run a, a good race here Saturday, then probably give him a, a couple of weeks off and then go back and maybe, you know, look at running in a Todman or something as a lead-up to the slipper. Speaking of the slipper, stay inside. That must have been an amazing thrill yeah. with, with Richard. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what are the reports? Has, has he had, um, during the spring, has he had foals yeah. the first season? He's got foals on the ground. I'm, yep. I'm a terrible judge of foals, so I'm the worst <laughs> person to ask. But good judges up in the yeah. Hunter have sort of said to me that there's plenty of good chatter about how good a types they are. And 
I'm sort of encouraged to see how horses like Farnan are selling here, you know, as a yeah. Golden Slipper winner. And, you know, the, the, the good sorts by him have been sort of pretty well sought after. So he'll have some uh, yearlings represented back here next year. So hopefully um, if the market's as buoyant as it is at the moment, they can sell well. Yeah. Stable's been churning out quite a few winners. Michael mentioned Insurrection. Uh, he sat the other day and was able to win. Yeah, he's, he's come a long way in the last six months. He's sort of really gone to the next level. And uh, now that he's on a rating of 105, it's we're sort of having to look a bit high now with him and, and sort of more or less open-class stakes races. So he's... Um, He's having a little freshen up at the moment and we'll have a think about where we go with him if we can find something for him later in the autumn or, or possibly a trip to Perth if he got a, a call up, you know, to, to okay. fill a slot in the quokka. Yeah, gee. And won seven races. Mumbai Muse, another horse that's doing the job, won at Flemington during the spring for Debbie Capitas. Must be good to have Debbie on board. And yeah. She's a talented filly. Yeah, she is. She's... um. She's come back in great order too. She's not far off having a barrier trial. What would her target be, Mumbai Muse? Uh, probably a little up in the air at the moment just to see how she comes back. I think if she shows me that she's relaxed enough to, to sort of stretch to 1,400, then a race like the Surround at Ramwick there would be certainly on the cards. Um, if she looks like she needs to stick to short course racing, she might need to go to Victoria, to Melbourne, because we just don't really cater for sprinting fillies in Sydney in the autumn. It's a bit of a pain in the backside, but um, I'm just going to get her going, probably run a first up in something in, in Sydney and then and then decide whether we stick to those shorter course races or we stretch it to 1,400. I saw one of yours win the other day. It was a hard-fought victory because the horse got headed or seemingly got close to headed. Katsumoto and fought back at $1.40. But um, what's the story with him? He's, only, he's a four-year. He's only had two starts, two wins. Yeah, um, my racehorse found him uh, in a barrier trial over there and... I had a look at the trial and in I New Zealand to, was it? Yeah, and I said to Ben Willis, who runs my racehorse, that he looks like a. I didn't know anything about the stallion. I think he served twelve mares last year. I'm told. Oh really? I'm just, you've got me looking now at the stallion. Um, um, what's his name? Yeah, um, let me just turn the page. Uh, he's by uh, un unusual suspect. Unusual yeah. suspect. Um, I think my racehorse have had a couple by that stallion that have gone all right. So um, look, he's a good tough horse. Um, I think he's well and truly city class. I'm not quite sure beyond that but he's um he's a good genuine horse and it's not easy in sydney to sort of go back to back made in class one like he did the other day so i think he's got a nice future how many have you come away with to the ring next to us here at the broadcast position at magic minions how many so far for you uh i think we've bought eight um wow six six colts and a couple of fillies we've got beaten on a few because there seems to be some strong buying just get james harron he's your man yeah. now you just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did he, any owner. of those that you've james um, I don't. James tends to sort of wait until okay. he's finished the sales season and then he works out, you know, where he's going to send his colts. So hopefully a little bit of business down the track. Okay. Some so of what's those horses, those yearlings yeah. on the website if anyone's interested? Yeah, yeah. We've, we've got Michael. We've, we've specced a couple of fillies. Um, yeah. So they're, they're there to have a look at and anyone that's interested, get involved. What's the website? Good Michael Freeman Racing. Mike, yeah, do. Michael Freeman Racing. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> .com.au, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the most expensive, Mike, of those? Uh, we bought a schnitzel colt late yesterday for seven fifty off David Cobritz, who is a great friend of our families and, and you know, terrific breeder from the Mornington Peninsula. He we raced uh, Sub Zero and Dan Zero with with David and back in the day, so it was it was nice to buy a nice colt off him and hopefully he's going to stay in him for a little bit as well. So Mike, just with the process with your stable with these yearlings, uh, obviously you looked at that horse in and out of the box and so on. Is it a team effort or is it you go on your eye? No, Michael Wallace, um, who I've had a long association with um, and you know, we've, we've 
done the sales together for the last 15 years. And what years does he look so. for? Um, fast horses, basically. <laughs> <laughs> some go on the eyes, some go on all different things, don't they? The yeah. head. And uh, it's just, I think, you know, you ask anyone that looks at feelings, they've all got their own things they look for. Um, we use quite a bit of sort of statistical data as well that we access these days, which we find quite helpful. Harry, um, what about you? What do I look for in a yeah. horse? Yeah, I don't really know. I either like them or I don't. Uh, I don't write a lot of notes. If I, I'm not a big buyer of yearlings, but um, I, I sort of they, they just take their eye, they take your eye. You know, I like a nice strong horse, but um, yeah, I'm a bit like Michael. It's just everyone's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Michael, we'll let you go. Obviously, a lot of people are known, prospective owners and clients, and nice. everything else. Your phone's been going off, but thanks for joining us, Mike. My pleasure, Mike Freeman here at the Magic Million Sales Complex. Michael Maxworthy from Sky Racing is with me, and also Harry Mitchell, of course, from Yarraman Park. Just back to I'm Invincible. So, how many in this particular sale total? Oh, I, I, I think there's forty. 48. 48, maybe. wow. I think a few got scratched, Steve, so might be might be low 40s. There's a few scratchings, but he, he yeah, he's not the most representative, but he's up there. And already we've seen about four in excess of $1 million. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, and he's got a lot of nice horses to go. So, yeah, no, they uh, they sell very well. Obviously. Yeah, there's one of them that was day one from Palace Talk, was it? $1.3 yeah. million? Yeah, no, we sold that horse. Um, we bought the mare here, funny, for 150 at the Brewbent sales a few years ago. But she's been a very good producer. She's thrown three stakes horses with her first three foals. And he was a lovely horse. Yeah, he was bought by Coolmore. So I think he's going to go into the Tiarco operation. David Ellis has been busy, hasn't he? Yeah, David came to the farm. He came around the hunter. Yeah, I think he wants to buy some horses here and spread his business now. Well, Imperatriz came from here, sort of stayed from here. Correct, that's right. I bet Imperatriz has been a superstar for, for his operation. Obviously, he's very, very successful at what he does. And she's been a great one to launch him into Australia. Now Mark Walker, I believe, is going to live and work out of Cranbourne. Mm. And Lot 16, um, I'm Invincible Outback Barbie. We're all pleased to see that she's going to be staying here in, in Queensland. Yeah, no, that was a sort of uh, rather a, a you know, sad story. Yeah. We all know that uh, Alan Acton got killed and, and his wife Jennifer's taken on the breeding and yeah, she's going to retain a bit of a share in that, and, and Tony's got it, so I think it's lovely, you know. It is. It's lovely. a really nice filly. First foal of Outback Barbie, and um, we look after Outback Barbie, and she's got a lovely colt by the horse again, and in foal to Snitzel now. Wow. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's nice, you know. It was, uh, it's been a hard time for the family, and I think they're very, very attached to Outback Barbie. Yeah, he was killed in a, a helicopter accident, of course, at his property there, and Tony's never had a yearling in excess of a million dollars, he was telling us yesterday. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, it's a lot of money, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. He won the Magic Millions last year with Skirt the Law. Barbie's sister, of course, that bloodline as well. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a wonderful damn line through through her, Outback Barbie. I just want to quickly ask you, Harry, about um, Yarraman Park yep. um, in Scone. I believe your dad um, purchased the family from George yep. Moore, the great jockey. Um, your dad brought the family out here, did he, all those years ago? Yeah, that's right. Look, it's a, it's a funny story. I, I don't really know why. My, my father came out here on a, a sort of working holiday with a friend of his who was a bloodstock agent uh, who was a friend of George Moore's. Yeah. So they were travelling around Australia and seeing people and looking at things and uh, they stayed at Yarraman and George must have mentioned that he you know, might sell it. I mean, 
George at that time was still riding and, and there was a lot going on. But uh, so anyway, they, they must have come to an arrangement and Dad, Dad purchased it and went back to my mother in England and said, uh, we're moving to Australia, which is a pretty big call. I think yeah. I, I was eight. My brothers were 11 and 12 at the time. So we arrived here as little snotty-nosed poms and, uh, yeah... Uh, Look, it was very tough early. I mean, the farm was going going nowhere, really, and it, we stood a lot of bad stallions and did all that. But we just kept working away, and, and uh, it's all worked out in the end. But we love it. You know, Arthur and I get out of bed every day and go to work with everybody else and um, still do the feed run. I still lead the yearlings. So, you know, it's a labour of love for us, and we build it up, and it's, you know, we've got a kids coming along now as well and we've got you know some great staff so that's no, it's been a good life we've enjoyed it and we've been you know obviously been very lucky get a bit of luck with a good, a good stallion it's really been nice mm, yeah so the boys are so are you taking credit for it back to that story is it you yeah. that when you got in the car and you said we've got a bull so no no i think arthur had more to do with it he was the one that bullied me to we should okay. fly down to look at it so it was a joint thing but i mean i think originally it was him and no well we both loved the horse as soon as we set eyes on him, it wasn't only me. Uh, we both loved him and, you know, went from there. How but much negotiation took place in that process with Ray Gall and so on? Pretty easy. Ray's a great fella. Look, he's been a wonderful partner. Um, you know, we've never had a crossword. He leaves it to us pretty much. Uh, no, I don't think there was a lot of negotiation. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was pretty cheap at now. Mm. Um, but we purchased 50% of the horse. And I think, Ray, I think we bought it a bit cheaper than what the asking price was at the time. But, you know, we didn't think it was that cheap at the time. But actually, when he finished his first season, we'd nearly paid for our half. Right? The well, beauty of it, Ray's involved, as you said. Well, Ray's, uh, we own a horse 50-50. And look, Ray's, it's been wonderful for Ray and his family. It's been wonderful it's for our family. Isn't it? Oh, it is. It's, it's, I don't think any of us think we're going to get a stallion like him. I mean, when we bought him, we thought, gee, it'd be good if we could get him up to a 25-grand horse and be a good handy horse. I mean, wow. God, you're not going to... I never dreamt I'd get a champion stallion because we don't stand a lot of stallions, so it's not like we're trying... You've got Hellbent there too, have you? We've got Hellbent and Brave Smash, so I think we're in good shape. I'm, I'm pretty happy with them. You know, they're, they're, they're both in 30-granders and doing very well. So, you know, I mean, Brave Smash... Um, hasn't covered great mares, so it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. But they're good racehorses, I mm. think, and we, he's had a good upgrading quality this year. So. Yeah, yeah. Hellbent must have been can get a good horse yeah. too. He's hellbent as well. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got, uh, you know, he's already had a group one winner in his first crop, which is always a very good sign. But I think Magic Time's extremely good horse. Mm. And, and, you know, he's got a couple of good chances here on the weekend. And, uh, no, no, we're pretty excited about him because the mare quality's improving. And I like the way they hit the line. You know, if they get off the bridle, they still want to hit the line. I, I like the way they, uh, I like the way they're going. Just back to when they started winning, and you said his fee was ten thousand. When did the champagne cork start popping in to say, potentially we've got a, a genuine superstar here? Was oh. there one particular win or a horse, one particular day you remember where you thought, hang on a minute, you rang your brother or something? or you Yeah, watching? I do. I do. Uh, I, I remember very clearly that it, I, I went to the train to Flemington for the Coolmore. And I went with a friend of mine who has nothing to do with racing. And uh, I said to him, I said, there's a horse running today that we don't own any part of, and it's the most important runner we'll ever have. And it was Brazen Bow in the Coolmore. Right. I remember watching it, and, and, and he sort of sat forth, and he was travelling, and Joe Marrera rode him. 
and then he, he just strode up and went to the front and he won well and I, I, that was the best probably day on a race course for me because that was the day I think the horse signified this horse isn't just getting you know, he's not just a horse who started fast and going to fade. This is a proper bloody stallion, you know. Yeah. So wow. That was the day the for race, me. That was it? the day for me. That yeah. Chinese meal that night was pretty good. <laughs> and he's doing prompt. all right too, isn't he, Brazen Bow? Yeah, he's done very well. Yeah. He's, he's not the most fertile horse, but he gets a lot of runners. And yeah. uh, look, I think a lot of I'm Invincible's sons have done very well. And, and um, some of the cheaper ones here in Queensland, like KBR, she never stopped getting winners. You know, Hellbent's doing well. And, you know, we've got horses like Home Affairs coming through, who's... He's probably the one that's had the real chance with the best mares, but uh, mm. we've got some of his stock, and they certainly look very good. Well, I want to see how good a judge you are today. How many are going through the ring, and is potentially one there that's going to, going to bring in excess of two million today? Of ours? Yes. Oh, I don't think so, but I think our top seller today actually will be a Frankel filly. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's owned by some Irish uh, Irish people, and, and uh, it's by Frankel, and the mayor's already had a multiple stakes winner. So what's the lot we're thinking? Oh, hang on, I've got to look that up. Mm. Um, she's out of Cirque, Cirque Dior. Okay. I used to remember all the lot numbers, but I'm getting old. Yeah, just with that stadium too darn hot bringing that top lot yesterday... He, uh, is he a Dali stallion, isn't he? Two Dali Yeah, hot? he is, yes, he the is. Dubawi, horse? Yeah. yeah, he was a horse who had he a is. fractured sesamoid and couldn't be sold as a yearling. Um, so they kept him and raced him, and then he you know, won about six group ones. That's 513, that lot. 513. So what sort of time do you think that would be approximately? Well, what are we starting on? Um, you're asking a few questions. Yeah, you are. You're, you're putting me on the spot here a bit. That'll be about three hours about, in, won't it? So probably be about one o'clock. About one o'clock. Okay, so we we'll delay lunch and then have lunch after. Well, yeah, we've got a lot in today, so we've got a busy day today and tomorrow. So we've got some of our best horses. We've got one out of Flippant selling later today. She was obviously a very good mare that we bought here and raced, and um, she's got a very nice I'm Invincible filly later. They'd be our two best lots today. Just, just back to Bill Mitchell, of course, the General Nadine story with Peter Moody, but that's a, that's a fascinating story in itself, isn't it, where a guy that you know, Michael Tosh Murphy, I think, went to buy him, yeah. bought, bought him. From Ron, Ron Ashdown, was yeah, it? Yeah, that's right, Ron Ashdown. And apparently uh, Tosh, they wasn't, he wasn't 100% happy with the text raise or something, and he, he rejected the horse. So I think he, he paid 40 for him, or was to pay 40. Was it, yeah. I think, 40 at the Magic? Pretty cheap. Yeah. I think it was. I, yeah. think, I think that was the yeah. So I they knew. gave the money back. <laughs> yeah, he gave the money, and then Ron Ashton ended up keeping him and racing him with Peter yeah. and Bill. I think, yeah, I mean, absolutely. He was a freak. Yeah, he was. He was a great horse. Beautiful horse. There's a funny horse. He was probably bred around a mile and a half. But if you looked at him, he just looked like a pure sprinter. Yeah. So I think that was without fear back in his pedigree. So maybe that's what came through because he was by Nadim, who didn't get much else. No, no. And he was out of Horlicks' family. So, you know, but he just looked like it. He was a most beautiful little horse. Yeah. Lovely horse. Great and, you know, he was a very good horse to the stable, there's no doubt. I mean, he started up here when Peter was running Bill's stable and... Uh, yeah, no, it's a good story. Extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. Also, uh, Bill's used to run second all of the time. We're going back a long, a long yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. One horse. Well, was it Liverstone or Lane? It was. I think it might have been, yeah. Good horse. Yeah, we paid 9000 yeah. 9, for him. Is that right? And he was a terrific horse, and he was at the heart like a lion. It was so unlucky that he was run second a lot because yeah. he, was the, he, he, he sort of worked like an average horse and... You know, put, you put him, him in a race. race, he was just a gutsy horse. He mm. looked home in an Epsom and a Doncaster, but mm. I think superimposed sort of uh, 
Spoilt the party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But certain things stick in your head. General Nadim's first start, I'll never forget it, uh, in Brisbane. Philip Wolfgram rode him. Alan Bailey had a horse that was spruiked in the race called Chase the Chicks. Chase the Chick. And the general went straight past him. Uh, decent odds as well. I think, you know, certainly each way odds at least. And just yeah. went on from that. Yeah, I rang Peter Moody that morning. Actually, I said, Is this, can this horse win? And he said, well, if he gets beaten today, he won't get beaten again. <laughs> yeah. And he won by about five lengths. But he certainly wasn't favoured, I remember that. Yeah, I remember talking to Peter Moody in the early days, and he was very guarded about when Black Caviar was impressive those first couple of starts, and then one again and one again. And I said, oh, could she be as good as General Nadim? And he was the way, you know, he was very... He didn't want to sort of commit too early with Black Caviar. Obviously, he knew, but he didn't want to be making these outlandish statements. But they were both Peters and been associated with two freaks along the way, in particular yeah. Black Caviar. Yeah, two great horses. One, yeah. That one's an absolute freak, and the other one was, you know, great horse.